Well, we're live on Facebook once again. I am Mike Scala, and this is Nuance, joined by somebody different. Normally, Jay is with us. Jay will be with us shortly. He is finishing up another obligation, but I guess uh, our guest is now our co-host for the time being, and that is Richard Lavelle, an Ozone Park-based attorney. Good to see you, Richard. Good evening. Thank you, and uh, I enjoy the temporary status of co-host. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Uh, a lot of changes going on. In fact, I recently celebrated my 40th birthday, and I did say it was a new beginning, and so we're seeing that. You know, I had a great time, by the way. I had about 25 right. close friends of mine celebrate at Lenny's Clam Bar, which is my favorite place to go in Howard Beach, and I just felt so much gratitude to be able to share that with people. And I made the joke, listen, some people were trying to depress me about turning 40. They said it's all downhill from here. But I think it is the perfect age. I'm choosing to focus on the ones digit, that zero, right? It's a rebirth. It's a new era. And truly, I think it is a good age because I have the energy of a young man still, but now the wisdom of someone who's not a kid anymore. And so I'm choosing to celebrate the fact that I'm 40 years old. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. It was, it was great. I got some great gifts. Actually, I was not expecting any gifts, but someone got me a podcast journal. And so I'm writing down all the topics that we're going to get into and feel all fancy here. Uh, I wanted to mention, speaking of our topics, the holiday lights on Cross Bay in Howard Beach. And if you're driving up and down Cross Bay Boulevard in Howard Beach these days, you will see that beautiful holiday display over the street. In addition to the music coming out, the speakers on every block on Cross Bay. And I really want to shout out the DeCandia family, uh, the owner of, of Lenny's, in fact, that family is doing this. I've got a group called Howard Beach Hope. It's his wife who's at the helm of it. And they collect money on one of the sponsors. A lot of businesses up along Cross Bay sponsor this effort. And it's the lights and it's the music. And it really gets us into the holiday spirit. And I think is a beautiful aspect of our Howard Beach community that often gets overlooked. I mean, Howard Beach sometimes gets a, a bad rap. We saw it on Law and Order not long ago. But if you look around, there are some great things happening like this. So, Richard, sure. I know you mentioned something about SDU. You didn't see that episode, but we were talking before about yes. the idea that sometimes SVU is criticized for what they do. For those who missed it, there was an episode a couple of weeks ago where Howard Beach as a neighborhood was put down. And Ice-T has some dialogue in there saying it's a racist, bigoted community, essentially. And obviously, a lot of people in the neighborhood were upset about that. I don't think they needed to go there. I mean, you know, why not have a fictitious area if you're going to put down a neighborhood? Now, you know, I guess to be fair, there was supposed to be some kind of redemption arc in that episode. But nonetheless, the neighborhood itself was denigrated, and I would say unfairly. But speaking on SVU, Richard, you mentioned that they were criticized by John Oliver on HBO, right? They were, and others. The New York Times about a year or two ago ran a multi-day piece on SVU, because if you watch an SVU show, which over the last 20 years or so that it's been on, probably everybody has watched at least one, and you see that at the end of every show, Marissa Hardigay's character always catches the person, and they know it's him or her, and they take care of that. But in reality, SVU's conviction or resolution rate is about 3%. And the whole SVU program in New York City is being revamped because of 
and a, a lot of scandal that's going on within it with false information and uh, scandals between members of the SVU team and not following up on a lot of a, a lot of rape type situations. So SVU has its issues and the show is really just a puff piece. Sort of like the old dragnet TV shows for those of you who remember back into the 60s. Right. And, you know, it's fine if it presents a fictitious version of that. But the problem then is when you start bringing in real life neighborhoods and you try to right. give it that exactly. aspect of realism, you're blurring those lines. Exactly. You're absolutely you're absolutely right. I mean, a number of years ago, the regular Law and Order had done, so, uh, you know, they, they take most of their shows from some sort of news program. And they did something, if I remember correctly, about what happened in 1988, I think it was, in Howard Beach. And they pretty much misrepresented, you know, the, you know, the whole situation. So it's television. Yeah. And I think a lot of that perception of Howard Beach in popular media comes from the Spike Lee movie, Do the Right Thing, in 1989 which was loosely based on that incident, which I believe was in 86. Right, okay. Uh, yeah, that's that's true. And uh, that's what an outsider always thinks of because that's what they saw in the paper. So that's what they saw on television. So unfortunate. Ago, I mean, uh, yeah, an incident in Howard Beach in 86 and to put down the entire neighborhood for all of these years, we're talking decades later now, um, yeah. for something yeah. that some knuckleheads yeah. did. I mean, you know, yeah. we can get into the whole politics of it, I know it's a little more complicated than that, but to put down the entire neighborhood, I would say is unfair, especially when, like I said, there's some great it's, things it's happening. It's very true. Yeah. It's very true. I grew up in Queens, but I grew up in Bayside, and I didn't even know Howard Beach existed until I came, moved my office to the Ozone Park area in, in the early 90s. And people say, oh, you're going to Howard Beach, you know, uh, well, you know, you got to be careful, you know, well, you don't have to be careful, but a lot of other people out there, I mm. said, not what I've, you know, that's not what I've experienced in Howard Beach. No. I love it there. I mean, I have so many clients in Howard Beach and the Ozone Park, Howard Beach area, and it's yeah. just a great place. So that's a great segue into your practice. I wanted to give you a shout. You've got that office on Cross Bay Boulevard in Ozone Park. But like you said, you deal with people in Ozone Park and Howard Beach. You do real estate. You said you do wills, trusts, all types of things, right? Probate, you do some criminal work, setting and buying businesses, things like that. Okay. Okay. And where could people find you exactly? What is your address or your contact information if anyone needs a lawyer out there? Okay. Well, I can give you my website, which is uh, Lovell, L-O-V-E-L-L, -L, Law, L-A-W, New York, spelled out, dot com. Lovell Law, New York, dot com. Excellent. Excellent. So do reach out to Richard if you need an attorney for any of these things. We've got some people joining us in the chat. Lixa says, when I was a teen, I wouldn't step foot into Howard Beach. Now I live here. So there you go. James says, what's up? Where's Jay? So Jay will be joining us shortly. He had another obligation to finish up, but good news. I think it's good news. Jay is actually with us in the U.S. now. So this will be the first episode when he joins us where we're both in the same country. Go figure. Excellent. But yes, yes. So moving on. And by the way, for the record, I... I wanted to reiterate, I thought it was wrong what SVU did. I think that they should apologize or at least steer clear of this type of denigration. If anyone has a negative perception of Howard Beach, come to Howard Beach now. Take a look at the holiday lights. Look at the spirit that we're in. Spend some time here before you make comments like that. In fact, I even mentioned this. Ice-T himself says that he likes going to Lenny's Clam Bar. So Lenny's is a great place. <laughs> Howard Beach is a great place. 
But I want to talk about, speaking of the local area, the recount in our local assembly race and everything that's going on with that. I can't get into too much detail because full disclosure, I've been working on it as an attorney for the Democratic side, but there has been news on that to report today, which is out in the public. And so for those who don't know, a judge earlier is now allowing 94 absentee ballots to be counted. Now, these ballots were not counted initially. They were disqualified by the Board of Elections because the inner envelope was not sealed. So when you send in an absentee ballot, you've you obviously you mail the ballot into the Board of Elections. And so uh, there's an outer envelope that you mail, but inside that envelope, there's another envelope with the ballot in it because your, your ballot is supposed to be anonymous. And so it's, there's a separation there. Now that inner envelope is supposed to be sealed as well. These 94 ballots had envelopes that were not sealed on the inside and they were disqualified by the Board of Elections initially. However, the Board of Elections was supposed to give those voters an opportunity to cure the defect, to do it the right way. And they didn't do that. And so the question then became, well, what is the legal import of that? They're still technically invalid ballots, right? But they were supposed to be given a chance to be cured and they weren't. So that became a lawsuit, part of a lawsuit. And today a judge ruled that those 94 ballots will be counted by the Board of Elections. And that's very important because this was a razor thin contest going back and forth. There was only a difference between, of, of three votes between them prior to the hand recount. And when it's that close, but per the machines, there's a mandatory hand recount. So that's what we were working on, the hand recount. And that was shifting things back and forth a little bit. So these extra 94 ballots are going to make a very big difference. We don't know who their votes for, but we'll say that most of the absentee votes have broken for the Democratic incumbent, Stacey Amato. And so we would expect similar to happen here. So this is a major advantage to her. Now, the Republicans say they're going to appeal this decision to still keep these 94 ballots out. And so the process continues. I will say if Stacey is ahead, she will win. If she is not, there is still a pending lawsuit that she can look at because there are some contentious ballots there. And I won't go into detail on them because, like I said, I've been involved in them. But there will be an opportunity to get more ballots counted that were disqualified. And that's really the bottom line here. We want democracy to prevail, meaning we want every valid vote to count. And sometimes there's a test. If it's a close case, it's not always that cut and dry. Sometimes there's a question of should that vote count or not based on how it was done. We want to make sure that people do have that right to vote. And this is not about fraud. You see people talking about this, this fraud, they're trying to steal the election. That's not what this is. I'm involved in this. You can trust me on this. We're just trying to make sure that every ballot that's supposed to count is counted here. And that's what this is about. Now, it's not the, the Arizona situation. Yeah, yeah. So that was the losing gubernatorial candidate claiming right. election fraud, right? Pulling a Trump card, I guess. Yep, yep, yep. That's true. Yeah, no, it's, it's a shame, though, that there is so much disinformation out there about how our elections work. There is no evidence of widespread voter fraud. And I can tell you, that's not what this is. When we're arguing over whether a vote should count, it's not about whether it's a fraudulent vote. It's about whether the voter followed instructions the right way, whether it complies with the law, whether it should count legally or not. And we want to make sure all the votes count that should count. And we want to construe it liberally and not disqualify votes that shouldn't be disqualified. Yes, we want it to be done the right way, but we won't want to disenfranchise people. Of course. I mean, you you go back to the you know, the 1980 election with the hanging chads in Florida, you know, whether 
That was 2000, right? 2000. No, that was a their votes were not counted. 2000, right? Uh, those who vote that did not count. The, 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 right. Gore, so, Jay Gore, is joining uh, us finally. I'm, I'm glad you made it in, Jay. People have been asking for you, Jay. This is really? the first show. Yeah. The first show, I mentioned this, where we're both in the same country. So welcome back to the US. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, it is the first um, first one. Same time zone, same country. Yeah. <laughs> All three of us are in the same time zone. Look at that. Yeah. So. so for those who don't know, I mean, our listeners and viewers do know, but Jay Carter is our co-host and he is the chair of BLM Tokyo, even in the US. He's still the chair of BLM Tokyo <laughs> and he's joining us for this podcast. So thank you for joining us, Jay. Here we go. Lixa says, hey, Jay. So you got fans out there, Jay. All right, I see it. Appreciate it. Finally get the love. You know, the, the previous show, someone said, hey, Mike, and just totally left me out. And yeah, so, <laughs> that's because the person now. knew me from the neighborhood and they didn't know you. So they were trying yeah, to say, yeah, yeah. I see Brina as well. Hey, so I, I see the conversation you guys are are, are in. And yeah, um, yeah I, someone got uh, Mike's uh, ire up. I see it. But no, you're, you're right. Like, like the voter fraud, no such, it's, it's, you know, there hasn't been any evidence to it. It really frustrates me because I see things on social media where, oh, the Democrats had to follow a lawsuit to make up enough time so they can manufacture votes. And guys, we're sitting there at the Board of Elections. These are ballots that were mailed in and we're looking at them to make sure and arguing whether or not they're in compliance with the law. We're saying that they're filled out properly or if the voter wasn't given a chance to do it the right way, as required by law, they should be given that chance and their voice should be heard. I mean, we're just trying to make sure that the votes are counted. And by the way, I want to make this point as well. These 94 absentee ballots are for either candidates. It's not like we're just trying to get one side's votes in. We're saying all of these ballots that fall into this category should be counted. Many of them are going to go for the other candidate too. I mean, it's just, we want them all counted. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, it's- You would think there'll be more outrage if every vote was not counted. Yeah, I, you know, it's just, it's- it's kind of part of the tribalism, you know, it's like, you know, if it's if it's our votes, then then, yeah, everything is great. But if it's there's a potential for there's other votes for someone else, then no, no, there's potential for for bad actors to happen. It's like, like you said, it should just be happy that all the votes are getting counted in and then we can actually gauge what the actual will of the people is. Unfortunately, that's not how a lot of people feel. You know, they want they want all those to be counted, as you said, tribal. Uh, if it serves their candidate's purpose, but not not if it doesn't serve their candidate's purpose. It's unfortunate. And 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 I get that as well, because, you know, I wouldn't want a ton of more votes for, you know, Herschel Walker to pop up out of nowhere. Um, but if that's what the people- I'm watching, that, I'm, I'm watching that on my screen right now. Yeah, so by the way, Richard, give us the live updates. Anything interesting comes in, let us know. 50, 50% uh, uh, well, actually, let's see. It's it, it, so 32% of the vote is in, which could be from Atlanta. So you can't really tell because the numbers are really skewed. 62% Warnock, 38% Walker, but that's got to be mostly Atlanta vote coming in because right. we know the end result's right. not going to be that close. Right. And see, yeah, like I would want, I, I would prefer him not to take office. However, if the votes equally counted and, and fairly counted came up that he was the one that won, 
then I would want those votes counted as well. Right. I was going to say that, Jay. You, you wouldn't say all the Republicans made up votes and that's how he won, unless you had proof of that or, or some kind of evidence. Absolutely. It would, it would really suck. It would be a very bad decision for him to, 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 to win. But if that's what the votes say, um, yeah. and they were correct votes, then that's what it is. Then you then you look at the situation that allowed him to win or that got that many votes, and you get on the ground and say, hey, okay, look, he, there's no way he should have won. There's more work to be done to make sure the next time that doesn't happen again. But you don't subvert the vote to, to, to stop that from happening. Absolutely right. It's interesting in this race because the only reason he got into a runoff is because there was a third-party libertarian candidate pulling off, you know, two plus percent of the vote. So we'll see how close it gets without that third party here. Richard, do you think we should even have runoffs anymore? Well, it's the idea is it's to protect the will of the people, you know, because in this case, for instance, there was a third party and people will very often vote for the third party out of frustration. You know, they may not have liked Walker as the candidate, but couldn't vote for a Democrat. Okay, so it sort of protect it sort of protects them. I can get the other side too. Even if there's a third party, the winners should win. That's what the people, you know, yeah, yeah. happen. And, and also, they've invented ranked you know, choice voting, and, and you have to live with that. Concern. Yeah, I mean, we we talked for a second ago about 2000 and other elections. If Ralph Nader hadn't run. If uh, Ross Perot hadn't run in the '70s, we would have probably had a different different. Nineties, yeah, no, I think I think uh, Bill Clinton 90s. might not have been president without that. Yeah. Right, the nineties with Ross Perot, right, very true. You know, at the same time, I, look, I understand this idea that it's possible for the vote to be split such that somebody can win who doesn't represent the majority of the people, and that could be dangerous depending on the circumstance. But fundamentally. I think the person with the most votes should be the winner. I mean, but I don't know if we should complicate it more, more than that. Right. I, 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 agree, I, agree, I agree with you, Mike. So, all right. Why don't we get into the fun part, I guess. I guess it's the fun part. Our poll result and our topic on the mayor's announcement to involuntarily treat and commit, potentially, people who are mentally ill, even if they don't necessarily pose imminent danger to themselves or others. Certainly a point of controversy. A lot of people have been weighing in on it, the pros and the cons and the legal limits of it. So we did put this poll out last week when the plan was first announced to try to gauge how people felt about it. And it was pretty close, but I will say this, and this is kind of rare because usually in these close calls, Facebook goes one way, Instagram goes the other. In this case, they both tilted towards, yes, they agreed with the mayor's plan to involuntarily treat those, even if they didn't pose that imminent harm. Now, it was kind of close. It was about 60-40, but that's where the people were on it at first blush. Well, Interesting. There's been such a storm of controversy over this on, on both sides. You know, uh, The mayor apparently announced this plan without discussing it with the police department. The police department, which since then has had half of their top officer, you know, the, the top brass leave, uh, perhaps because of this, or this was the straw that broke the camel's back for them. Uh, so the police department says they weren't ready. Uh, how are we going to handle this? The healthcare system says we're not ready. Where are we going to put these people? On the other hand, it's clear that the people want something done about all the homeless or pe- not only homeless people, but people who have psychological issues 
that are, that are apparently, if you, if you read the newspapers, are causing all the crime, like in the subways, or a lot of the, you know, the spontaneous type of crime. I'm not talking about robberies. You're just walking over to somebody and pushing them onto the tracks. Uh, um, and the, the media is making us believe, whether it's true or not, is that they're the problem. So the mayor had to do something. He had to do something dramatic. He did it. Now, where do we go from here? Right. No, I agree with that. And I think we're really testing the boundaries legally and constitutionally on this. Now, part of the plan, and the governor is on board with this as well, they're trying to pass a package of legislation that would change the law on this to give authorities more power over the mentally ill population. And there's also obviously a Supreme Court case dating back to 1975 that speaks on it or provides some guidelines, though, you know, today's Supreme Court, I think a lot of these cases, unfortunately, can have to be rethought. I mean, what we thought were rights up until this point might not be safe anymore, right? We've been seeing that. But uh, I wanted to pull up, see if I can find this really quick. Here we go. 1975, O'Connor versus Donaldson. And in that case, the Supreme Court said a state cannot confine without more a non-dangerous individual who is capable of surviving safely in freedom by himself with the help of willing and responsible family members or friends. So non-dangerous is in there and capable of surviving safely by himself or with help. I think those are the words and the terms that are going to be tested here. First of all, what is non-dangerous? Is it imminent? Because that's what the mayor is saying. It doesn't have to be imminent harm. And they're even trying to expand that to be more than just violent, more than just someone who's about to commit violence, we think, but maybe someone who doesn't know how to take care of themselves. Like if they don't take their medication, maybe they'll, I don't know, lose weight or get sick over the next two weeks. I mean, that's really an expansion of how we've thought of this in the past. Right. And and I kind of I kind of like that definition from that was a 75 case, um, uh, or at least that rationale a little bit more than what um, we read from that that article about what the mayor is trying to do with it because I, I'm it's not I'm not really comfortable with this idea that they can just do that especially if there's no imminent danger um, because to me there's there's potential for a lot of overreach and uh, to be disproportionately applied to to people as other laws have been especially in minority communities it just doesn't sit well with me with that. So I think there has to be some some very very clear language, and uh, in how it's practiced. I mean, if you take the imminent harm idea out of it, someone like Kanye West could be hospitalized because we don't agree with what he says. I mean, that could right. be an issue as well. Absolutely, and he's. I mean, you you can look at him just objectively and say, okay, this guy's out of control, um, and it's like, okay, but is it to the point where they should just be able to take his freedom away from him. I don't know. Maybe his Nike contract. Maybe his Nike contract, but not. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> but, but not necessarily his freedom. I mean, I could argue. I we could discuss Kanye all night, which I won't do. But <laughs> thank you. He has the right to say. But he has the right to say as long as he's not inciting violence. And if he wants to say he loves Hitler, I mean, he's allowed to say that. As scary as that is. Yeah, take his uh, mic from arrest him. him for that. Yeah, take his mic from yeah. him. <laughs> so that's, that's if, if I'm a police officer, if I thought he was going to physically start attacking, in his case, let's say Jewish people on the subway, uh, that would be a different story. You know, right. if I had a real right. reason to believe that he said, I'm going down to the F train today and I'm going to start 
attacking any any Jewish person, any person they see wearing a yarmulke. Okay. I mean, and that would be more I mean, imminent. Then, that would be more yeah. serious, credible right, threat. Right. But my point is that we have to have some kind of defined standard here. If we're just we're saying, agreed. well, any kind of danger, it doesn't have to be imminent. It doesn't even have to be physical. Well, could that be danger to your fi- finances, your financial health? I mean, where where is the limit here? You know, we're afraid agreed. someone is mentally ill. They're not treating that illness. And as a result, they're going to do harm to their career. And so we're going to, you know, I'm just making an example here. But what right. I'm saying is there needs to be some concrete definition as to what the standard is, how far can you go, and when does it cross that line into violating someone's rights? And then there's also the other part of that that I didn't, that I really don't like is treatment, like forced treatment. At at what point do you have to, is it okay to force someone into medicine or pharmaceuticals or something for, for their own benefit that, or to say, like that, I have a real issue with. I agree. I mean, I, I think back to what we used to do in the 30s and 40s with electric shock treatment. When we thought, when we thought people were, you know, were, were psychologically not part of the norm. Yeah, that's scary. That's a scary. It's a scary concept. Yeah. Yeah. Now, there's also Kendra's law, which Adams, Mayor Adams, is calling on the legislature to amend. They want to clarify that likely to result in serious harm. The, the, the part of it that says that if, if they're likely to result in harm, if they're not treated, is amended to encompass basic survival needs such as shelter or food. So in other words, serious harm isn't just maybe physical harm. They're not gonna cut themselves or push someone onto the tracks. Maybe they won't eat or maybe they won't be taking care of themselves properly in terms of where they're staying. And that would justify removing them as well under this proposal. Interesting. See, he, he the mayor's sort of stuck between a rock and a hard place. Because clearly, based on the news reports, not necessarily statistically, but on the news reports, violent crime is up. Mm-hmm. Okay, and whether it is or it isn't, it's a lot. It's all about perception. Yeah. And for the from perception, it's up. There's no argument there. Okay, regardless of what the statistics show, and he has to do something. He's you know well into his into his uh, first term, and he's trying to preserve. Probably for his second term, he's a he's a young man. Okay, uh, he's got to do something, and I think he's playing to his to his base. You know, to they they want us or to his potential base, not so much to his base, but to the people who they want. He wants to stay in his base or become part of his base. Right, I get it. Right. Yeah. No, he came into office saying that he was going to address crime. And, you know, he's a former cop. He said that a million times. And that's what he's trying to do. And you know what? It's commendable. You need to do it. And Democrats, I think, have been afraid to try to tackle the issue because they thought it would make them seem insensitive or something like that. But no, it is a serious issue. It needs to be addressed. And it's commendable that the mayor and the governor are taking steps to address it. But we have to be careful with how we go about it as well. And we don't do anything in violation of rights. I mean, you and I, Richard, both attorneys, we know that constitutional rights always must be respected. Absolutely. Well, yeah, I mean, we know that a certain former president said the other day that we should throw out the Constitution, except probably for the Fifth Amendment, because he might need that that one. <laughs> that's right. right? Uh, right. <laughs> but, uh, and I think that's... Uh, there was an interesting statistic well. the other day. Why, excuse me, I'm sorry? And I was going to say that I think that's even more dangerous talk when you got a former president talk about throwing out the Constitution with a, with a, uh, an audience and a base as wide as he has. I think that's even more dangerous probably than, than Kanye. I agree. 77 million people voted for him in 2020. And that's very, and many of them are still followers. 
And although he's lost the Orthodox Jewish community in the last in the last month, uh, even like Dov Heikend has come out in the last week, you know, very very critical. Uh, even Netanyahu has come out critical of him this this weekend. Uh, but it's very scary. You're, you you it's very scary that he can say let's get rid of the constitution. Well, I will say that I see people on my social media who were followers and supporters of his all along who now say this is a bridge too far and they're no longer backing him. So there is a line, apparently. We always asked ourselves, was there a line that that he could cross where he would lose people's support? It seems this might be it for a lot of people. I yeah. don't know. See. Maybe, because you know, remember what he said in 2015 or 16, I could shoot somebody on Fifth Avenue. And to some extent, that's true. Yeah, no, it is. It, it absolutely is. To straight, up say, to straight up say it might be time to terminate parts of the Constitution. Well, <laughs> we've seen, here's the thing is, we've seen how far his supporters and followers will go by listening to his rhetoric and belief in what he's saying on January 6th. They were willing to rush the Capitol building. Like, while the session was yeah. going on, we would have never thought that would have happened. So I, I wouldn't put it past his followers to hear that call and and pick up that rallying cry and do something in that regard to try to bring about you know their their leaders wishes to some degree i think we might look at this as a jumping the shark moment but thank you to everyone for joining us in the chat jeremy says good evening all good evening to you jeremy let's see we've got salvatore who says some form of harm has to be defined i agree when we're talking about this right. mentally ill situation you have to have clear definitions because otherwise it's too easy to abuse and like Jay said, that leads to selective enforcement and all kinds of problems. It's a real slippery slope. And here, and what about there was a, the point in there? Um, you said mentioned um, where they have to be able to reasonably take care of themselves. So what does that what does that leave people who fall into homelessness? Well, there's a lot of overlap there, and that's the point. But here's the thing: I mean, normally you would have to have doctors evaluating. In fact, there was one standard that had two physicians having mm. to make that evaluation now. It seems like that's going to go out the window if we're just basically sending what cops down onto the subway. And that's and see, that's another thing that's to me, that's one more thing added to the backs of cops that shouldn't be added to the to the backs. They shouldn't be making the evaluations. Like stop piling stuff on their they're not trained plate. for that. Yeah, stop piling stuff on their plate they're that they're not for there that. for. Yeah. You know? Clearly, find this quote. The average uh, police you, officer is not trained for that. No, absolutely not. And they shouldn't be. It's not It's not part of their, their job. Like, let them do what they're supposed to do. Stop adding extra stuff because you don't want to do the other programs or the other stuff that, that you know, would take care of stuff. You're like, oh, well, we can just have cops take care of that. Like, no. Yeah, That's here's a quote that. from Justice Potter Stewart from yeah. that same 1975 case where he says, Mere public intolerance or animosity cannot constitutionally justify the deprivation of a person's liberty interest. And actually, I think you see that, especially with the homeless population. Now, obviously, many of them are mentally ill and need treatment, but there also is, I think, sometimes this intolerance of folks who are suffering from homelessness who might not fall into that category and meet that definition. And we have to be respectful of that, too. Right. Absolutely. Where's is, where is Potter Stewart and, and Justice Douglas when we need when them? you need them? Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> I think I think that whole you're talking about some from 75. Yeah. The, the mind state today, I think, is completely different. <laughs> yeah. I think you need some of those old school guys, maybe. No, absolutely. That's why I said before, you know, if this thing gets tested constitutionally, 
you might get a completely different result than expected because our whole idea of constitutional rights is really being flipped yeah. upside down recently. With this, with this court, yes, I'm curious to know what this court would do because I don't get a real warm, fuzzy feeling from this court that those type of rights are really cared about. This is a, probably a court that would have no problem authorizing the execution of completely mentally challenged people or maybe even children as hard, you know, as horrible as that, that might be. So I don't know. Interesting to see where that goes. No, I agree. PJ puts a bullseye emoji in the chat, but I don't know what topic or what statement exactly he's agreeing with you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. <laughs> one of, one of us will just take it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So related, I guess this is a good segue because we were talking about the Supreme Court and what they might do in constitutional rights. There's an interesting case that was recently argued out of Colorado about a website designer who did not want to make a website celebrating gay weddings. Now, I guess this is kind of his thing. He does websites celebrate marriage and weddings, but he didn't want to do it for a gay couple. She, you said it was a woman? Yeah, it was a woman. Okay, I'm sorry. It was a woman. She does not want to do that. And so this went all the way to the Supreme Court. And obviously comparisons were made to that case about the baker, who's also in Colorado, right? Who didn't want to make a cake for gay yep. couples. Yep. But there are differences. That case, for those who don't know, was very narrowly decided. So you didn't get a lot of useful law to come out of it. They really struck down the Colorado's, I think it was the Civil <laughs> Rights Commission's decision in that case, because they right. said that they weren't religiously neutral and they had to be to respect the freedom of religion clause of the First Amendment. And so you didn't really get a whole lot of useful law other than they couldn't be <laughs> religiously not neutral, right? But this is a more interesting case, I think, because it really implicates freedom of speech more. Now you're not talking about just products as much as an actual message that you would be asking someone to write, essentially, that they don't agree with. And obviously, there's a tension now between freedom of speech and anti-discrimination. Um, in Colorado, in particular, they do have a law which says that businesses cannot discriminate against LBGTQ folks. And so that's a civil rights law. It's not a constitutional right. And some people get that mixed up. Private businesses are not barred by the Constitution from discriminating, but there are often, in fact, there's federal legislation and a lot of state legislation that will prevent them from doing so as a civil rights laws. But the freedom of speech is the constitutional right. So that one maybe takes precedence over some of the other, but it's never that cut and dry. There's always a balancing of interest that has to be done to try to figure out which clause prevails here. I mean, basically you have, in essence, conflicting provisions of law. Absolutely. And watching some of the banter, or reading some of the banter, you can't watch it, uh, reading some of the banter that went on yesterday between the justices with Alito and Kagan, and they were all talking about this. Gut feeling, if, they, if I had a, if I was a betting person going on FanDuel, which way the court would rule on this, on this case, I would say that they're going to say that that person does not have to write that message about for a gay for a gay website. No, uh, it seems so, to be where they go, which is no real shock, no shock there. Now, was this person employed by a company, and then they were a customer wanted these no, services, I, or how was this? I think she has a company. I think she owned a company. She owned the yeah. company and a customer came to, to, to her and, and was like, I'd like to contract for these services. And she's like, no, I'm not doing the gay stuff, basically. 
Right, because I got to write this stuff, say, and right. I can't write it because it's a violation of my. She didn't say that, I'm sure, to the customer at the time. Yeah. But her her argument in front of the court was that it was the first that it's a First Amendment claim. I don't I don't have to say stuff. I can't be forced to say stuff. It's a violation of my First Amendment rights. Right, because she would actually be making a website and basically providing text or, or writing text on that site, which would be a message, an actual literal message that she did not agree with. Right. I, I, hmm, interesting. Um, I can I, argue her position. I mean, I'm not, right. I, I, I see it. All right. Especially since she's not doing it on religious grounds. Okay. I, I see it more strongly on a First Amendment situation. I, I get I, it. I see uh, Licks in the chat brought up a point saying like, I, would I want that person designing my website and and I'm thinking the same Agreed. thing. Like if, if they if they feel this way about me, yeah, and about who I am or, or lifestyle or whatever, would I even want to give them my business? And, and what kind of effort would they put in? So you don't need to though. I mean, if you just want to make it a test case, basically you're right. just expanding your civil rights. I mean, that would be your perspective yeah. of it. Now okay. businesses cannot discriminate. And now once this is all said and done, I don't have to use that person anyway. I can still hire someone else, but I just changed the law in effect. Now, how does that, um, uh, and, you know, I'm not a lawyer, so it could be ignorant of, of what I'm about to ask here, but how does that correlate with ideas like businesses having the right to refuse service or th saying things like no shoes, no shirt? shirt well, no that's, not, that's not First Amendment. No, well, 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 here's the thing. So, so just to zoom out and talk about something like, you know, no shoes, no service. Some people, I think, get the idea of discrimination a little bit mixed up. Like discrimination doesn't mean that you don't you, you cannot discriminate against anyone. Right. I mean, basically everything we do is some form of discrimination. Like if we set a price for an item, we're discriminating against people who can't afford to pay that price. Right. Like everything is some form of discrimination. But in Colorado in particular and and other states, not just Colorado, but this is a Colorado case, there is a state law saying that businesses cannot discriminate on the basis of sexual orientation. So they cannot discriminate against gay people. Um, and so that's what this would be on its face, right? Saying that I don't want to yep. do this for you because you're gay, which is not really what they're saying. I mean, that's the argument on, on that side, but the, from the business owner's perspective, what they're saying is I just don't want to write this message that I disagree with. Right, yeah. I think that's, you know, yeah, like like uh, like like Richard said, I, I get that, and then I understand Lix's point as well. Um, yeah, I'm not sure if if I was the customer and not trying to make a case. Yeah, I, I would go somewhere else. I'd be like, I, I don't, I don't even want you. I totally agree. Look, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna hire uh, the four anti semites to my daughter's bar mitzvah to play in the band. Right, okay. right. You know, what I mean, like, would you? I, 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 I agree. All right. I mean. Yeah, do you want Kanye like playing, <laughs> playing in your business? <laughs> I mean, you're not gonna you're not gonna like uh, bring in like the the uh, I don't know the the, the Charlottesville guys to come in and provide entertainment at your bot business. You know, it's like it's uh, I understand that point, um, but you know, should she be doing that on the basis of of you know? not liking gay people that's uh yeah it's not it's not good it's not a good look right i mean but you know on the other side of the argument all right so you have this website designer who designed websites celebrating weddings celebrating marriage so it's kind of a product that she's offering the public right 
should she be able to say, I don't want to give you this product because of the class that you belong to? You just happen to be homosexual? Yeah, that's not, it's, it doesn't set a good bar. And we've had that before, though. We, we've had that. And I, I really dislike making the, the comparisons, but um, we've had that before with, with you know, the, the, the whites only counters and, and stuff similar to that um, in, the, in the 60s and stuff. The 60s. You know, yep. we've, got, we've got public restaurants here, but we don't want to serve you because uh, because you're black or we don't want you coming in you know what there were even signs back then no dogs no irish you know we don't you know so uh, you know it, it's yeah, those, those those cases were decided on interstate commerce grounds right. they weren't first amendment grounds they, uh, the court i think the motivation is probably similar there's there's still that motivation of, 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 of bigotry and, and discrimination and that's how those civil rights laws were upheld constitutionally on commerce clause right grounds, exactly right? yeah exactly yeah so because yeah. there the is an, you know and obviously if you're not a lawyer you, you might not know as much but there is an anti-discrimination clause if you want to call it that in the constitution itself in the 14th amendment but that applies to state actors so the government can't discriminate against you on certain bases or if they can they have to have a damn good reason we'll call it, you know, strict scrutiny depending on what class you're in but basically the idea is that they're not supposed to discriminate on the basis of your status right certain protected statuses get more protections so that applies to the government this is a private company and i saw that confusion on social media as well where someone posted this meme and they're like oh well liberals say that facebook and twitter are private companies so they can do whatever they want but this website designer is saying that they don't want to make a website but but you know but she's she has to make a website that's how come it's any different she's making a website facebook is a website Twitter is a website and so it gets a little confusing for folks but the idea is yeah private companies can do what they want within reason the constitution doesn't apply to them but when you start telling someone anyone that they have to say something or that's not say true. something that's a violation of the free speech why because the government is telling them they have to say that or they can't say that. And so they're being attacked, if you will, by the government that way. It isn't just about what they're doing on their own private time. It's about them being forced or compelled to do something. Right. Compelled speech is, is, is a problem. You know, saying you can't say something is, is one thing, but com compelled speech is another. But I think, it, you know, it, it's personally, I, you know, I mean, I guess it's, I'm not that that designer. I wouldn't have any issues with it, but um, I think for them to even come out and say it, they had to make they were trying to grandstand to make a point because they could have politely just said, oh, you know, we're, we're, we're booked up too busy. I can't do it. They had to make a point to say, I'm not doing it because you're gay. Well, I believe that I believe the designer, what I read was if I remember correctly, was it's an important issue for her. Yeah, okay? it's not a it's not a casual issue. It's an important issue. It goes with her with her faith. And I have no problem with what her faith is, but um, I might argue with it, but uh, I think she wanted to make this uh, a Supreme Court case. Yeah. A lot of these cases are intentionally chosen. Yeah. For that. They call them test cases. I mean, even cases that we read about that are these fundamental landmark cases like Plessy v. Ferguson, like they'll pick someone who looks white, but has black blood to kind of test. He, he, was, he was, he was what? Plessy was one ninth black. I mean, that's why they chose. Right, him. and and they didn't even know he was part <laughs> black, and that was the whole absurdity of it. He looked white, right. and so right. he was fine sitting right. in that car until he right. told the conductor that he right. was part black. Right. 
for the very purpose of testing that. Exactly right. Right. Yeah. And I agree, you know, it's scary, but I I agree with Richard um, that if with this Supreme Court, she might have a shot at winning that. Well, it isn't this. Yeah, it isn't just the Supreme Court, because even Elena Kagan, who's one of the liberal justices, seems to be siding with the website designer on this. And then there are questions about, okay, well, what if you're a wedding photographer, let's say, and the photographer said they only wanted uh, white children in the photo? Would that be allowed? That was one of the questions that came up at oral argument. Hmm. But isn't that a little different, though? We're talking, if if you're looking at it from a compelled speech angle, I think that's a little bit different. to some. It is different. It is different. I, I agree with you. It is different. I agree. But after after the Dobbs ruling last June, you know the the abortion ruling, nothing this particular court does will surprise me or shock me. Yeah. And and that former president that we discussed twenty minutes ago, he just Kagan aside, I mean he's. That the court is going to change things for our great grandchildren based on his appointments. Absolutely, which is why this war, this Warnock vote tonight is so damn important. So what is the update on the Warnock vote? We need that extra margin. I'm looking. Forty-four uh, percent of the vote in, fifty-five for Warnock, forty-four. So I guess the the rural counties are starting to come in. Okay. Um, this vote is so important because if. The president gets a, a nomination in the next, you know, two years. Um, we have to be able to get through that Senate, and I don't want to be beholden to Joe Manchin. So this is extreme, an extremely important win. If if we're not can can pull. Well, this will off. this change the balance though? I thought we yes. had. Yes. No, because this will give us fifty-one instead of fifty. If, right, but the right now we have fifty. We, we have this vice president as, a tie, as the tiebreaker. But if we get 51, and if Manchin sort of doesn't know what he wants to do. I see. So can, even if Manchin wants to go his own way, we still right. have the majority. Right. right. Of course, you never know what cinema is going to do, but right. we'll see. Right. Licks in the chat says it's 100% wrong, but that web designer is going to lose lots of business from people in the LBGTQ community and people who support the community. That's probably true, but she'll probably get a lot of business from those who don't. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I can see that too. Yeah. Yeah. So we should probably put out a poll question based on this topic, although you have to figure out a good way to word it that isn't too wordy and too case specific, I would suppose. Yeah, yeah. But it's too wordy. It's hard to it's it's yeah. hard to fit it into the, the image. Right. And we try to put these up on shorts and people can only see like 15 seconds and we don't want them reading too much, it's like listening to too much. We want it to be kind of concise. Yeah, yeah. So and New York is not like the rest of the world. No, no it's not. we have a very diverse community politically and ideologically, and so we get all kinds of viewpoints here. And I always like to That's hear the true. Point. That's true. Sure, I agree. Yeah. So, uh, Jay, a crack at this wording. Maybe we can like brainstorm this before you put it out. Um, something you're talking about as far as uh, having to design the website. Yeah, I mean, I guess it could be more general than that. Like about private businesses um, having their free speech rights potentially respected over other people's rights not to be discriminated against. I would suppose. But I'm, I'm, maybe I'm missing something. How is this? the designers 
free speech right? Because she had to actually write the wording that would appear on the website. So she had to come up with the content as well, the copy. Right. I mean, I assume the, the person who's paying her would get, you know, be able to edit it. But the person said, this is what I want my site to be. Yeah. I want to promote, you know, gay issues or something like that. And she didn't want to write those things. Uh, right. I mean, even if the wording was provided to her by the customer, she's still designing the site, putting it together and I guess, you know, typing it up, you know, making it look nice, whatever. Like she's making a product where she has to use those words and, and put those words out there. Yeah. I wonder if that's, I guess, does that, does that fall for her under her free speech? Or oh, the Supreme Court it absolutely does. It seems to say yes. Sure. I mean, I don't think there's any question that it, it implicates her free speech rights. The question is how strongly <laughs> and whatever right she has in that from a First Amendment or really 14th Amendment perspective, since it's the state, not Congress. But from a constitutional perspective, is that trumped by the anti-discrimination law? I mean, right. to what extent is that law implicated here? Because, you know, that could be argued both ways also. That right. This is not, it's not her saying, I won't make a website for anyone of that community, but her saying that I won't make a website with this particular wording. Right. Right. If, she, right. if, 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 a, gay, if a gay person came into her and said, I want a, I want a website for my clothing store, which is totally, right. you know, has nothing to do with sex or gender or of any kind, she, that wouldn't fall under her free speech right. If she said, I don't want to do it for you, she wouldn't be violating that Colorado law. Just because yeah, yeah, yeah. she didn't want to do it for her. I mean, I mean, that would more directly implicate the anti-discrimination law in Colorado. Right, right, right. But not free speech. Yeah, I mean, I think there would still be a free speech issue there, but I think that's more easily trying. I think it's weaker, right? I mean, I think that's what how, that's how I look at it anyway. It's like a give and it's like you have both of these clause, clauses and they're both in effect, but in certain situations, one is more compelling than the other based Absolutely. on the facts of the case. I agree. So what is what is the actual thing that they're they're trying in the court just to get an idea of what kind of a, a, a state does, that we're to make here for this? Does poll? the Colorado law preventing discrimination against the LGBTQ community is the Colorado law violative of this website designer's free speech rights guaranteed under the first and fourteenth amendments? Yeah, so that, that'd be a little wordy for the poll. <laughs> yeah, well, we don't want to ask about this particular case, but more like, right. do private businesses have the right, I guess, do their free speech rights trump anti-discrimination laws? So it's kind of hard to say that without providing the context, though. That's the problem. Do, do st state anti-discrimination laws. Right, mm. right. Do federal constitutional rights um, prevent states from forcing someone to, you know, uh, not to discriminate. I mean, yeah, that's, not, a, that's, that's a tough one. That, that's yeah, a tough, tough one. Because, tough one. because it, it leaves it so open, you know, it, it makes you want more information. Okay, what, what do you mean specifically here to be able to give a to give an answer on that? So, yeah, that, I mean, maybe we should just ask it then based on this case and try to keep it as concise as possible. Basically, just asking, should a website designer be compelled to make a website with a message on it that they don't agree with, even if it's potentially affecting a member of a group that cannot be discriminated against by state law. I don't know. Yeah, that, that was a that was a whole brief right there. Right there. <laughs> I'm trying to I'm trying to get us started here. Maybe it could. 
be based on that. I don't know. It's, it's a there tough. Is a, there is a shout out for Rich in the um, hey. chat by Tori. Uh, I don't even know how to get this. Okay. Oh, I see it. Hold on. Uh, chat. Let me open it. Okay. I'm not seeing that. So Tori, the only thing I have. It's on Facebook. Yeah. I sent you the link in the chat yeah. here, Richard. Oh, uh, not yet. This, this kind of sounds. I, it's not. It's not in the Zoom chat, but in the Zoom okay, chat, so, I put a link. So if it's that's on Facebook, okay. So, it's okay. All right. So I just put that up. How do you pronounce Tori's last name properly? Schnup. Schnup. Okay, Tori Schnup. Yeah, I didn't want to screw. Oh, you. I know Tori. <laughs> I know Tori. Hi, Tori. Oh, I hope you do. She's saying, "How you doing? How you doing?" I'm, I am well. How are you? <laughs> so, yeah, that's a difficult one to uh, to verbalize there. Um, do, do free do free speech laws anti discrimination laws? Yeah, anti discrimination. Did free speech rights to trump anti discrimination laws? It's, it's still do federal free speech protections trump state anti-discrimination laws or should or should, should they, they? <laughs> or should they right or should they what do y'all think y'all think that's a a, a a poll a compelling poll there i, I think like there's a lot of people or just want yeah. people leaving well needing more yeah. about what we're asking yeah like yeah that's yeah. it's very general um, yeah, that's an, that's an interesting one. That's an interesting one. Well, we'll find out the real answer in June when the Supreme Court yeah. gives, gives it, renders its decision. And, and you know what, when you say, when, when you mentioned um, compelled speech um, or compelling, basically the idea that you're compelling this person to, to say something that they're not uh, believing in or don't want to say, I mean, that's kind of the whole big thing with, um, uh, Jordan Peterson, the, the professor in Canada, when the, um, the, the, was it, the gender identity stuff came into play and they were making laws that compelled people to call people by the pronouns that they chose. And he's like, you know, you can't compel me to say something. You can say, I mean, the, the government can say what we can't say, but to compel us to say something. And that's kind of how his whole star was on the rise, because he's like, I'm not going to be told by the government that I have to say something. And they were being forced to do it in the in the in public schools. Right? Yeah, yeah, I mean, I do want to say, though, that it isn't just about compelled speech. It, it goes the other way. Also, the government can't tell you what you cannot say either. Well, you right. can't yell. Yes, they can't. Some they can. Can't well, well, there's, there are limits theater. to it. Right. But I'm just right. saying it's, it's, it's not only about compelled speech. The government can't just go and say, oh, right. we don't want you saying all these different things. I mean, they're not supposed to control your speech, which includes your right, right to speak and not to speak. I just say what you want and not say right. what you don't want. Right. But there are some things like, I mean, but I don't think so, it's the law, but, but you can't really in, incite violence. Right. Uh, no, there are limits. Right. The First Amendment right. is not right. limited. And that's why we have cases like this to test their limits. Right. But in general, right, it isn't just about compelling, it's about you being able to speak freely. Now, of course, yes, you're not allowed to defame someone, you're not allowed to incite violence, there are certain things you can't do. Right. But outside of those categories, that, that doesn't fall into this, right? This is just someone 
speaking their mind or not wanting to speak right. on something and it clashing with another provision of law out there, which is against discrimination. Exactly. Where people often get confused about this whole freedom of speech thing is they say, well, I have the freedom of speech. How come Twitter can block me? Because that's right. a private company, private company. And, they can, and, and they can do what they want. Now, Musk is obviously out of control. And, right. you know, and, but, but that's but that's a good example of that. It, it does implicate free speech right. to the extent. Let's say the government told Twitter they weren't allowed to do that. Well, now right. the government is violating Twitter's free speech. Right. Right. I think people get confused. Absolutely. About, Absolutely. They get confused as far as free speech. And, and, and the confusion is that, you know, it applies to the government and not applies to everything right. else. Right. right. You know, companies can you can't say that here. You can't do this here. They can restrict right. that. But yeah. The government is the one. And so they you know, I don't think that's very clearly understood. It's not clear, it's not clear to a lot of people. And also when we yeah. speak on the government, we're speaking of lawsuits. So, for example, if, if a court because let's not forget courts are part of the judicial branch of government. So if a court were to tell you you had to pay a fine, like let's say you sued someone or, you know, you had to pay a judgment to someone. That's the government acting now. You know, if someone were, if the government were to put you in jail, I mean, I think that's the one that we most easily understand the government putting someone away criminally. Obviously, that would be the government acting as well. But an injunction, if a court were to say you're not allowed to say this, if a judge were to issue an injunction to a private actor, now the government is acting and implicating your free speech rights. It doesn't mean that they're unlimited again. There may be situations where that's appropriate, but that's how you get that state action when a court or the government in, in any capacity does something in regards to your speech. Yeah, I, I, Brina brings up a point in the chat, and this is what I was kind of getting at um, a little bit earlier. And I think both of you provided a little, provided a little bit more context to it. Was and she says that I hardly think it's reasonable to say that the words on the website are the website designer's speech. It might be the product, but not the designer's free speech. Yeah, I mean, that's one way of looking at it. There, that is an argument, and I guess. I don't know, you can make an analogy to the cake in that capacity and say, well, the writing on the cake, is that the speech of the person making the cake or is that just the, the customer's speech and, and the writing, the right, icing right. is part of the product? But the cake, the, cake, the cake one wasn't about the writing, though. It was about oh. whether I had to make the cake at all. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's going to be, uh, it's definitely going to be one that's uh, going to be interesting. Um, and I think but, with mm -hmm. what we're looking at today, people will, which, whichever way it goes, people are going to be pointing to that. But I mean, Jay, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I see that perspective, but I also do think at the end of the day, it is that person's speech. They may not want to type those words, write those words. I mean, what if, Jay, you were to give me a comment that you wanted to make? And, you know, let's say your Internet was going down or whatever. And you texted me something you want me to put in the chat. Those are your words. I can say this is from Jay. but. What if I don't want to put those words out in the universe? Is that, yeah, not, that right for that? I mean, that is still my speech on some level, right? Yeah, sure. I mean, and I, there, sure, there's some caveats to it. Like if I'm saying, okay, I, I want you to do this and you're putting it out on your account. And even though it says from Jay, it's still going to be linked to you. you as right. Well. right. So I think you do have some interest. And that's my point, right? Like it could look like at some level I'm endorsing that. Maybe not as directly if I were to say it myself without that caveat. But yeah. from that website designer's perspective, they made a site with these words on it to some people. I mean, what if it's a very 
religious person who doesn't believe in gay marriage, not endorsing that viewpoint at all. But to right. someone from that perspective, it may look like they participated in that willingly. And on some level, they endorsed it. Yeah. And what if it what if it's, you know, uh, you know, some MC Herb that wants you to type that Nas is not a, is not relevant. You know? <laughs> right. Right. I mean, so, and it's also this idea of like dignifying a comment, like, for example, if someone writes something in our chat that we completely disagree with and it's completely off the rails, we don't have to read it. Right. Right? So even if we're reading it and saying such and such said that on some level, we're dignifying that, like we're saying that that's worth responding to or worth pointing out, whereas maybe we think that it's worth not doing that. And I think right. I, so I do think that our free speech rights are implicated in all of these things, but there are layers of it. There are different levels of it. And in some cases, they're more compelling than others. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Yeah. And all of that still makes it difficult to come up with a succinct way. You know why, why, Jay? Because it's a very nuanced issue. I knew where you were going with it. I knew where you were going to go with it. (laughs) Yeah. I was, I was just, I was wondering if you were going to rhyme with it or not. All right. How about this? Should private businesses be held to state anti-discrimination laws, even if it combats their free speech rights? Is that close? Is that getting close to go with it? Yeah, the federal free speech rights. I mean, but there's state free speech rights as well, right? That's how the 14th Amendment comes in. For sure. Yeah. Right, but that's not what we're talking about. Right, 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 right. We're just their constitutional rights. Right. Well, right. It is a constitutional rights. It is the state because it's the state telling them that they cannot do it. I understand. But it's the federal government that's saying it comes from it comes from the First Amendment incorporated by the 14th. Right. I guess it's a very, very technical terms that we don't need to get into. But right. Right. Yeah. It is the federal constitution that this originates from. Right. Um, Yeah. I try it again. I mean, we can do a take two based on that and just go for that. Um, I, Lixa said, should private business refuse service if it goes against their First Amendment right? Yeah, but what about the, the anti-discrimination aspect of it? Right. Should, uh, I, I had something. Is it, discrimina- is it discrimination by a private business? Start it that way. Right. Is discrimination by a private business upheld in their free speech? Upheld in their free speech? I don't know. Is it? Is it upheld, uh, violative of their... As a free speech rights. Is is wait is discrimination from by private business a part should, of their free speech? Should, should a private business be subject to state anti-discrimination laws even when their federal free speech rights are implicated? You're going into a brief should, again. <laughs> that's not terrible. <laughs> There's no way to make it really. You can't do this in four words. <laughs> how about how about it's even if it Twitter conflicts, era, <laughs> even if it conflicts with their freedom of speech? That's fine. Yeah, let's try That's that. Fair enough. That's this simple okay. enough. Okay. Yeah. Should a private business be subject to anti-discrimination laws even when it conflicts with their freedom of even when? Let's try it again. Should a private business be subject to state anti-discrimination laws even when they conflict? with the business's free speech. We'll try that. That works. That works. All right. Yeah, we'll try that one. Yeah. All right. 
That's I'm sure a lot of people will pick up on what we're getting at and comment on the actual case and the issue because people do follow the news too. Yeah. Especially if they're if they're watching us. I mean, we do have informed <laughs> viewers. Right, so watching us, they may be interested in the news. Yes. One yeah. Would say. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If you're watching yeah, you the CNN or MSNBC, you're probably interested in the news. But I do think the fact that this was such a hard question to pose mm. really exemplifies why it's such a tricky issue, right? Because it's not something you can be, you know, that can be boiled down very easily. There are a lot of layers to this. Right. Yeah. So there was an interesting argument, by the way, in that Baker's case on strict scrutiny when it came to freedom of religion. And the court never actually ruled on that. But the argument was that the customer would be able to get a cake from another bakery. And so why should this bakery be forced to make that type of cake in violation of their freedom of religion? Because they're at least right. restricted ways. It's not like the customer couldn't get that cake. They can go to any other bakery. Kind of what we were talking yeah. about before. Why do you need to use that one? Right. right. So but what if it, what, what if it, bakers religious rights? then you have to have a very compelling reason that's got to be the most narrowly tailored way to do it. But if the customer can just go out and get a cake from someplace else, why are you bothering to restrict this person's religious rights? What if this was the the baker in the state of Colorado? One that, you know, that would clearly everybody, make a big everybody went to, you waited three years to get a cake from this person. That would clearly make a big difference, which is why yeah. I say that, yeah. yes, these rights are implicated in all these scenarios, but sometimes more strongly than others. And the facts do make a big difference as to how strongly these rights get implicated in these cases. Could that designer claim that this was violating her religious rights? She could have, but she didn't. Oh. She chose not to do that. So she screwed up then. Well, maybe, maybe not. Yeah. Well, I may probably not because it looks like she's going to win. So maybe this. Oh, okay, right. okay. Yeah. Choice for her. Right, right. That's just a legal strategy. Right. So it's it's yeah. Wow. It's interesting. It's really crazy. Karina says, "If I owned a shoe shop and sold you a pair of shoes, would you say that I agree with those shoes being nice? That those are shoes I like and would wear myself?" No, but I mean, I, but, but also, okay, but hold on a second, though. Isn't there, and again, this is different because we're talking about words on the screen versus objects, but just to kind of play along with this analogy, isn't there still this idea that if I own the shop, I get to choose which kind of shoes I have for sale in the first place? And I, maybe I'm not saying I would wear them myself, but I'm saying for whatever reason, they're worthy of being sold in my shop. But it, yeah, and you have the right you have the right to say I'm not going to buy shoes from a particular shoe designer because I don't agree with his politics. I mean, you certainly have that right. Right. I mean, but doesn't that also in that in that scenario that you're you're saying, wouldn't that also be similar to being like, I'm not going to provide um sizes of clothing beyond double XL? You could do that. Not you do that. Well, well, the, your your body size is not a is not a protected class. Right. Right. So you you can. Well, I don't want to sell size ones. I can do that. Yeah, I mean, you can have specialty stores that say, "Hey, listen," right. we, and they and they have those. Right. We specialize in clothes for smaller people or larger people or right. whatever. They can do right. that. Right. There have, but there have been groups that have tried to go after designers for not design making their design. Yeah, yes, but not on not on constitutional grounds. I don't think. Okay. No, but potentially on civil rights grounds, like anti-discrimination laws. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. 
You have to remember, Breen is sending in these messages, but she's sitting where it's 40 degrees warmer than we are. Right <laughs> so, so that doesn't oh, where's she? Where's, where's she at? <laughs> she's south. Oh. She's on vacation. Yeah. Oh, nice. Very nice. But yeah, I mean, all these points are good points. And that's why these are complicated questions. Right. Right. And, and why we, we should want people on, on the bench that are not chosen by a moron. <laughs> well, uh, well, especially, especially one who, who doesn't believe that the Constitution, the Constitution should be right. Exactly. <laughs> right, absolutely. But, but, but he did have, not him personally, but there was a major decision about him, his organization today, today in New York. Yes. Yes, yes. I mean, it doesn't affect him directly, but indirectly it could. It puts it further into the Trump University category, and now the Trump organization. They were found and his, as Mike pointed out to me earlier, the, the his philanthropic foundation that had to give back all the money and he can't have one of those anymore. Uh, yeah, it just shows a pattern. Counts. On all counts, guilty on all counts. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep. This is true. It but does feel like a turning of the tide here. I don't know. I mean, I think I don't some, maybe that sounds overly optimistic, but well, I, I, I sense that. I sense that shift happening. I agree. I agree, but people like Ted Cruz and Jordan, Representative Jordan, they're still afraid to criticize him. Yeah, I don't think it's a turning of the tide. This guy still won't still won't say. Now he's skated. He's skated past too much. That it's you know, I won't believe it until until like the the guard is walking away with the key in his pocket after locking the door. <laughs> well. What's his name? The, uh, the the district attorney in Manhattan said last week that he's reconsidering whether he's going to continue because you know, he said he wasn't going to prosecute Trump or he was pulling back on the prosecution about six months ago when all the ADAs quit. And now he's thinking about well, it. Well, I guess he won't be fired right. on day one now because uh, Zelda. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. I guess that's what Zeldin wanted her to do. Yeah. 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 Crazy times we live in. Unfortunately so. Unfortunately so. I, I will say to, to anyone who wants a little bit of relief, if you ever uh, want something amazing and you are in the Charlottesville area, go to the Doubletree Hilton. They give free chocolate chip walnut cookies at check-in and they are superb. I will remember that. Isn't Charlottesville the place where Trump said there are good people on both sides of a Nazi rally? That is that is where he's at. Um, yeah, I, I I would guess that none of the bakers of these cookies were in that rally. At least I would hope. <laughs> I would hope. Well, how about this? <laughs> there are good cookies on both sides of the check-in counter. Yeah, yeah, okay, that I'll go for. There we go. Absolutely. Go okay. Absolutely. All right. Well, Richard, we thank you so much for joining us. This has been. Oh, fun. It, was my pl it was my pleasure. We thank you for having me. We love to give our guests the last word here. We call it the bottom line. And in fact, that comes from Adam Clayton Powell, for those who don't know. When he was on our show as a guest, he was in the middle of saying something. He said, the bottom line is, and he cut out, his phone dropped off. So since then, it has become a segment on our show where we give the guests the bottom line. And it could be anything. It could be a summary of what we talked about or just any last words you want to leave the people with. So I'll ask you, Richard Lovell, what is the bottom line? I'm going to tell you something I read in the New York Times about two weeks ago, and they were talking about gun violence, okay, in New York, because that's what's on everybody's mind. And they were talking about how it's really not a New York problem, it's the country's problem because the guns are here and they're not being manufactured in New York. But they gave an interesting statistic. The statistic was this. A New Yorker 
has the exact same possibility of being robbed on the street as someone in London does. The statistics are almost identical, adjusted, adjusting for the population numbers. But the New Yorker has a 56, a 56 times better chance of being killed in that robbery than the Londoner does. Because you can't get a gun over there. Very sobering statistic. I'll leave, that's my bottom line. That's a great bottom line. And I've got legislation on that, but I'm not going to get into it now because I want to leave you with the bottom line. Maybe next time we can get into that. But I really, really appreciate that, Richard. Thank you for your insights. For those of you, again, who need a lawyer, real estate, trusts, wills, probate, do some criminal stuff as well. If you get in trouble, try not to get in trouble. But Richard is your guy. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you both. Take care. Have a Thank good you night. guys. Have a great night. Nice meeting Bye -bye. you. Same here. Bye-bye.